Welcome to the first edition of the ESPN F1 podcast. I'm Alexis Yunus, an F1 novice on a journey of discovery with two of the best guides I could hope for. They are ESPN's F1 experts, Lawrence Edmondson and Nate Saunders, who will be guiding us through the season as Lewis Hamilton looks to win his seventh world title. Speaking of Lewis, Max Verstappen has started the mind games by saying that Lewis is not God. So can Max's performances this season back up his words? We also talk Ferrari and take a look ahead to launch week as some of the major teams prepare to reveal their 2020 cars. All right, guys. So we're here. We've made it. Finally. We've ma- I made the cut. I made the cut. There were moments that I was sad and scared that I wouldn't make it, but I'm glad you guys brought me onto your team. I think we got brought onto your team, Alexis. Thanks oh, stop it. Stop it. We start with the flattery. <laughs> well, we're here. We're excited. I mean, we'll just pretty much give everyone an idea of exactly what this podcast is. Shocker is about Formula One. If the intro didn't give you that, um, of course, I am by no means an expert yet, because when I've got these two, when I've got Nate and Lawrence, I mean, come on, how can you not become an expert? This is kind of like my my Formula Two into Formula One season. <laughs> yeah, no. is that is that or is this like my Friday practice lap? And we'll see if she's ready to. Yeah, I, I think you've got a few Friday morning sessions and, uh, and we'll see, see, see how you go. No, it's right. That's good. That's good because okay. less pressure, track's still a bit dirty. You know, no, no one's going to blame you for making <laughs> mistakes. And then, and then we'll look to uh, push you up. I, I reckon by the end of the season, you're going to be in a world championship winning car. Oh, hello. World championship winning yeah. car. Those are some big, big wheels to You guys we're, will we're, be like, we're in Formula <laughs> 4. Still, still where we were before, yeah. We'll get you guys in there, of course, but I'm definitely in here. On for the ride, pun intended. See what I did there. <laughs> Excitement getting in now that, you know, the, at least we're into another month and the countdown is on. Yeah, it's, it's seriously close. Launches next week, testing the week after that, and then we basically won't have a life for, what is it, yeah. 10 months or so of races, 22 races. And then and then we'll have two months off and we'll be wanting to do it again. So, yeah. And we'll do it. Don't have a life. <laughs> this is coming from the two guys I saw sitting in some lovely Italian backdrop. <laughs> Nate's head was shining. He was getting browner than I am. It was just, it was all beautiful. Yeah, my head does struggle in a lot of the, a lot of the races. <laughs> I, I think, honestly, especially if I've got my hat and for anyone else listening who, you know, has a similar hair situation to me, <laughs> that's not a good idea when you're in, you know, when you're in the Mediterranean. So it can be quite Did you taxing. get sunblock, extra sunblock? I did, but it's still, my, my head's still always like bright red afterwards. So it's bad. All right. Year. Well. Shall we get into it, Jack? Yes, please, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> he said, started to feel it. All right, so we're going to, of course, go through some big topics that we're going to talk about, and then later on we may have a little fun couple things that we're going to get to. But first, let's talk about the big stuff now. And speaking of big stuff, we're talking big game talk from a certain Max Verstappen. That's that new contract swag, as I like to call it, because, I mean, why not? And he is saying that Lewis Hamilton... It's not God. I can't believe that those words came out of my mouth. They actually came out of his mouth first. But we're going to get to this because I know Nate, Nate felt this because we know Nate is a huge Lewis Hamilton campaigner. But before we all say he's not exactly trash talking, I have the exact quote and he says, quote, Lewis is very good. He's definitely one of the best out there, but he's not God. Maybe God is with him, but he is not God. I think that's fair, but that is some pretty big talk still. Yeah, and 
if you've been in Max Verstappen sessions, you can almost imagine the little kind of wry smile he might have had when he said it, because he sometimes <laughs> says that and he kind of knows maybe he's... I remember last year he said some stuff about Nico Rosberg, mm. quite derogatory, but he kind of had this little grin like, I know all of you guys are going to run wild with this stuff. Uh, he's like stirring the pot a little Yeah, a little bit. And obviously, I don't think Max has ever shied away from speaking his mind. He's very confident about himself as well. But it's the first kind of indication ahead of this season of him kind of twisting that that screw into Lewis a little bit and as we've seen before that is usually the best way to beat Lewis is to kind of get into his head start to make him maybe doubt himself maybe I don't know just maybe get him overthinking things which we've seen before so um, he's obviously very very confident and it's a great quote actually to start the season when I read it I, was, I thought that's a, Lewis from, Hamilton is not God yeah from my, <laughs> my journalistic point of view I was like that's a great quote fantastic well, we're not even, we haven't even seen a car yet so good start to the year Max Lars, what did you think of it when you first saw this um, quote? Well, we had to change the bio that Nate had written at the start of the year about <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. So I know. So Lewis Hamilton, sure, not God. It's like, oh, God, Darn. he actually turns out he's not God. Um, but I, I think, so there's two sides to it. One, I think there's a little bit of kind of like, you know, talking it up. And I'm sure Red Bull and Christian Horner probably said beforehand, go on, Max, go and say something just to, you know, get in Lewis's head a little bit. But also, I think it talks a little bit to the frustration that all the top drivers in Formula 1 always have when they're not in a top car, when they're not in that championship winning car, is that they get overlooked and people think that Lewis is this astounding driver that's so much better than the rest of them but it's his way of saying actually no we're all on a pretty good level mm-hmm. uh, and if we all had a car like Lewis's Mercedes last year we would have been competing with him and we saw that towards the end of last year as Rebel and Ferrari uh, kind of up their performance Max was there and he was competing so I think he's just reminding everyone I'm on Lewis's level I'm going to prove it to you guys this year and I've got the confidence to do it I'm on Lewis's level, that's a, that's a big level to be on, though. And thinking about it as well, the interesting thing I can remember is when Vettel was dominating. I remember Lewis coming out and saying similar things at the time, like, well, you know, we'd all be winning when we had that car. So it speaks to what Lawrence said, like, the drivers who are watching another guy winning all these races in a dominant car, mm. you know, Fernando Alonso did it all the time, Daniel Ricciardo said it before, you know, they all kind of, they'll always say, well, yeah, you know, Lewis is very, very good, but if I had that car, they all think, well, I'd probably be doing the same, if not a better job, so... It kind of goes swings and roundabouts. In three years' time, everyone will be saying, Matt, you know, Max is good, but he's not God. And, you know, whatever. That's where, that's where we'll be at. So Maybe. we won't read too much into it. But it does kind of stir <laughs> the pot, and it makes things juicy. Because, of course, Verstappen and a certain Lissy Leclerc, you might have heard of him. That's my boy there. You know I've got mad respect for him on that one. There's, there's sort of like the heir apparent to Lewis. And I know Lewis always gets asked about them. And he does, you know, speak really good about them um, with all due respect for this one so I guess now going into this year new contracts of course we'll get to the car in a bit at Red Bull but with this kind of talk and clearly he believes in himself is he the guy to beat Lewis this year then? Yeah uh, I would say I mean obviously as you mentioned the car's a big factor but we saw last year Max has that just supreme level of confidence in his own ability but the thing for me that I think at the moment sets him aside from, from Leclerc or from any other guy really is that we've seen we saw twice last year Verstappen fight Lewis wheel to wheel on track, which in this era you actually don't see that often. And Max wasn't really phased by it. You know, he did a really good job, especially in Brazil. You know, in the in the kind of in the kind of race that usually we expected, Lewis usually excelled in those races. He still did a very good job, but you know, Verstappen went and just kind of stole that race from him. So that for me was the proof that he's ready to step into that that kind of breach. You know, he's just going and basically fighting wheel for wheel wheel to wheel with uh, with Lewis that might have just been my phone Carly I think oh. that was Lewis saying you know he has an issue with this segment right here because he might be God although that might be blasphemous in some senses I thought but, I thought I was being told to, told to get out of it to get out like, get this guy off get this he's guy lost off the his job no we will never kick you out for that one because you know gotta give everybody a chance Lars what about you is he the guy to beat him this year um, I think in terms of raw talent yes uh, I think he's right up there the thing that we haven't seen yet 
and Max is most frustrated about this uh, as anyone is we haven't seen him in a situation where he's challenging for wins week in week out when he's actually up there fighting for a championship but what we have seen sometimes is uh, elements of kind of impatience and uh, slightly kind of some inexperience Uh, one very obvious example that springs to mind was Mexico last year where he should have secured pole position but yellow flags came out which meant that he should have slowed down he didn't slow down very simple error Uh, the kind of thing that you know um, you should get drilled into at a very early age and uh, and he lost the pole position as a result of that so things like that um, could just be that tiny little uh, uh, kind of problem that he has when he goes up against someone against Lewis who's just so good grinds out the results so consistently and that is just a matter of experience but in terms of raw talent he's definitely there I think he's up on Lewis's level just for a quick side note for any Max Verstappen fans listening it was actually Lawrence's question in the Mexico Grand Prix press conference that Led to Max getting his penalty because he, the way he responded to some you. say oh. that some say that's not true at all. And the FI were so already investigating and getting around I, I, to it. I, I, I'm stirring the pot about this because that's not Lawrence is right. It wasn't, but it's was um, his question that led to the led to the speculation about what happened. Right? I, I think maybe within the media centre, the, uh, the the answers that Max gave to the questions I uh, I put to him were, were quite good. But the FIA claimed that they would have investigated it no matter what. So regardless of what he said. But it was another example. To give everyone a bit of background, if you didn't see his answers, um, he kind of turned around and said, oh, so what? You know, I didn't lift under a yellow flag. I'm experienced enough that uh, I knew what I was doing and uh, I shouldn't worry about it. And when I put it to him that actually uh, maybe... um, he could lose pole position as a result. Uh, he basically said, well, delete the lap then, and I've got another lap that was as quick to take pole position, so it doesn't matter. So it went down a kind of route of... And it was that kind of slight arrogance which carries him so far, I think, in his career and has done so far because he's so supremely confident. But it also has the potential to trip him up. And he's not alone in young drivers who have mm. this, this kind of arrogance about him. And, in fact, in the trait of a lot of the greats, Ayrton Senna, Michael Schumacher, uh, to an extent Lewis Hamilton... But with experience, I think some of the corners get rounded slightly, and a guy like Lewis, over the course of 22 races, it's such a long season, is less likely to make a little slip-up along the way than someone like Max. But he's likely to go out there and prove me wrong as well. I'll see about that. Well, um, Lawrence, of course, kind of alluded to it, just uh, certain things that um, you expect with his age and probably, I don't want to say a full-on lack of maturity, but of course, because he still is very young and completely entitled to make mistakes. Going into this season now, what are some of the things that you guys would like to see him change or or work on so that his game does get to this Lewis Hamilton level where we actually see, you know, closer in the championship? I think from his, I mean, you know, Lawrence might have a different opinion, but I don't actually, I think with a guy like Max, you don't want to change too much with him. You know, I think that, as Lawrence said, you know, it's kind of that, Saying arrogance kind of sounds wrong because it sounds like a criticism, but you have to you have mm-hmm. to be supremely confident in your own abilities. And I think that when Max was struggling for form um, in 2018, people kept asking Christian Horner, Red Bull's boss, you know, what what are you going to change about him? And he kept saying, well, look, I don't. He just needs confidence. He doesn't need. We don't need to kind of rewrite the rule book with him. So I think from the Max side, I think the main thing is the experience is getting him to a level where he's making less of those mistakes. But the argument could be that once he gets that car in. You know, that he thinks can win him races week mm-hmm. after week, that then breeds that confidence and you start winning more races, those mistakes just start to diminish. So from my perspective, I'd kind of just let him go and do his own thing and maybe occasionally, it's always funny hearing him interact with his race engineer because his race engineer will always kind of be kind of talking to him a bit like a an annoyed parent, but also you know giving him <laughs> enough enough rope that he can kind of he can do his own thing, but also just about... Really reminding him that yes, you know you've you've got a race to win or you've got a team to drive for. 
So I think Red Bull managed him actually pretty well. And it should also be said at the start of last year, his performances were the best on the grid. Mm. It's just he didn't have a car to uh, to win races. So he was doing way better than uh, Lewis was doing. Lewis actually always starts seasons on a sli- in a slightly slow way and it takes him a while to build up to uh, those kind of performances we know so well. So if Max goes in like that and he has a car capable of winning, uh, he could get ahead of Lewis. And that will be the key thing, I think, to anyone trying to beat Lewis this year because we saw uh, in the Nico Rosberg year in 2016, the key thing was that Nico took a big lead early on uh, in the championship. Lewis had a bunch of problems, but Nico really made the most of it. And I think Max is the kind of guy who can do that. And then he will probably continue to maybe put out the old quote like the one we started this podcast on, <laughs> uh, just to hammer that home. And I think if I could choose anyone to do that, to go there and just consistently perform at the very start of the year, based on last year, it would be Max. Um, it's just he's got to make sure that when the pressure's really on, that he doesn't let it kind of swing around to him mm-hmm. and pressure him. And that would be my only concern with his championship challenge if he gets cars to do it. Well, I guess we could talk a bit more about the car then, because that's mm. the thing. I mean, once we, once when you open the article and you do read that comment, like I said, of course you do read into it, and he does say, you know, if Red Bull give him the right tools, um, I'm sure there's other tools involved as well, but the car is definitely the main one. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I don't if 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 we were covering a, a single spec, so everyone had the same car series, I, you know, Verstappen might well have won ten races last year. You know, if they had the same machinery mm. underneath them. So, so much of Formula One is dominated by the car. And I think it's actually why sometimes you don't always get as many superstars in Formula One as you might get in other sports, because a lot of critics will say, well, isn't it all about who has the, the right car? car? And mm-hmm. I think you know, there's certainly... That's you what can I make, thought at one point. <laughs> I think you can certainly make the argument. You know, you have to be very lucky in your career to... If Michael Schumacher hadn't gone to Ferrari, he, you know, someone else might have gone, but then they might not have built that same team. So you can credit the driver some some way you can create the team another way so um yeah so what so <laughs> what's <was> the question <laughs> <laughs> no just to get your thoughts on the car because i know we kind uh, yeah, of like yeah. touched on it of, of course a little bit before and you know it being honda and what you really kind of expect from honda up against yeah. these other like it's less it's less the car itself than the the engine and mm-hmm. honda's kind of come from quite a long way back and last year we saw some encouraging signs but they're still taking so many penalties that it would i mean it would be super impressive if they were able to challenge for this championship from Honda's perspective they did a lot last year but still such a big gap up there but you know as soon as they get into a good place Red Bull you know they've proven time and time again they're so good at building cars that can win championships that you would back them to do it with a with a good engine so I guess the pressure's more on Honda but yeah I agree I think it is um, if you look at the end of uh, last year they really came on quite strong but I think the problem that Red Bull and Honda have had, it's always at quite specific circuits. So there's certain places you'll go to and you'll say, this is a track where the Red Bull should win. So Red Bull, uh, sorry, Monaco's often been one. Uh, Mexico's uh, another one. It's basically places where you need to um, put a lot of downforce on the car. And Red Bull are very good at creating that. And now they've got an engine that is capable, for the most part, of, of powering them and um, and giving them the other side of the package that they need so if that all comes together from the start of the year uh, then that's great but they need to make sure they've got a car that works in all environments because that's what Mercedes was so good at last year uh, you know, there were a number of occasions towards the end of the year when Ferrari, we went to circuits, we were like, well, this is a Ferrari circuit, or this is a Red Bull circuit. But you always knew um, Mercedes was going to be up there, always with a chance of winning. And then sometimes they did take wins. Um, Mexico, good example of that, where you thought, well, probably they had, you know, the third best car. So that's what Red Bull needs to do uh, coming forward, is that if they do get that package together, is to make sure they maximise it everywhere. Um, and that's exactly what they did when they were winning championships. So there is you know, good reason to think we can do it again. 
talking as well. While we're talking about contenders that can go up against Lewis Hamilton, I mean, I have to throw in this one because, you know, I got mad love for Charles Leclerc. And apparently I'm not the only one because Red Bull's helmet Marco has said that Leclerc is Formula One's top non-Red Bull talent. So probably basically the best driver that's not signed to Red Bull right now. Gasps in Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Are we just going to completely ignore him? But I'm sure there's some method to the madness. Or is there? Um. Well, yeah, I suppose. And I don't think Marco is going to be the sort of guy who is going to praise the management win the championships. Mm. But I don't know whether he meant it as a um, kind of the best prospect or the best if you're looking to build a team. But it is kind of a weird thing to say when you've got a guy there who's won, who's about you know going for a seventh world championship. Was one? What is it? Five of the last six. Uh, you know, the obvious answer would be that it's Lewis, and then maybe Leclerc is next. But I think Leclerc has impressed a lot of people in the paddock this year. Mm-hmm. And it shows, speaks volumes. I mean, a year ago, Leclerc's name would have been nowhere near that conversation. So really, I think it's more of a testament to that, really. Yeah, it's, it's not a very exciting headline, is it, Lewis? Is the, yeah. the world champion is the best driver other than my own driver. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's you know, if you're talking to the media, you may as well try and create a bit, a few yeah. waves. And uh, I, I guess he's hoping that, again, you know, well, we talked earlier about Max uh, saying stuff maybe to try and get into Lewis's head, or maybe this is a Red Bull strategy at the start of the year mm. to try and get in there. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be successful, but uh, could be that. But there is some more to it, don't you think? I mean, not trying to gas up Leclerc right now. He definitely doesn't need me to do that. I do that on a regular basis. But especially with, with, with that and with Ferrari, Lawrence, I know that's soft spot there for you on your side there. So w- what are your expectations this season then? Because, I mean, I think... Barring everything that Lewis did, of course, last season, it was still a really good season for Leclerc. Yeah, for Leclerc, it was great. Um, it was his first year at Ferrari, only his second year in Formula One, and he emerged at the end of that year as, uh, I think, well, I say arguably, but I, I think there's not much argument there, as, as the best driver Ferrari have out of the two, and the other one being Sebastian Vettel, a four-time world champion. So that is a massive achievement. Now, this year, uh, I would back him to continue that, uh, to become the clear number one at Ferrari. I think Ferrari feel that way because they've given him a five-year contract, which is pretty unheard of in Formula One. And uh, right now, he's got the world at his feet, and he's got the talent to be able to uh, to make the most of it. We're going to come back to that standard boilerplate of any driver making a quote, which is depending on the tools, depending on the car. Um, but if he's in a car that can uh, win races and win the championship, he's going to be up there. Uh, again, there's this thing of younger drivers: do they have? Um, the ability to grind out the consistent results that can match Lewis Hamilton. Uh, that's where my doubt is again. But um, but I'm only really basing that on uh, kind of experience of previous young drivers. And the clerk could be different. Max could be different. You know, it could be that when we put them in a championship uh, environment, which we haven't seen them in yet, where they're really kind of competing right to the last races, that it turns out they actually blow uh, Lewis away. But um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see that. Hopefully we'll see it get to that point. Um, but so much of it depends <coughs> on the car. I like yeah. Nate's little chuckle right there when he said "blow Lewis away." He was like, "Ha, that well, no, chance." <laughs> I mean, ne- next year it'd be it'd be a big achievement if someone did that. I was just going to say that the thing I like about the two guys we've been talking about, Max and um, and Charles Leclerc, is that they've very subtle differences to their personality, which I think would make them perfect rivals going forward. Mm-hmm. You've got Max, as we spoke about, has that kind of edge to everything he says, and I always f- feel like. Leclerc could kind of kill you with kindness almost one minute and then get in the car mm. like a baby-faced kind of assassin. So I, I, I'm quite interested about that part of his personality and, and when the pressure is up, which of those two guys' traits kind of suit that situation better? Because for some people, you know, it might be better to have this overwhelming belief in your ability and have a bit of an edge. Or it's, I mean, there's subtle differences, but 
they will have a diff- they will play a big part when you have that car when you have that situation where you can win suddenly a part of your personality might not suit it as well as, as Max's and so. hey we, we saw that last year in Austria was a perfect yeah. example of that they're yeah. fighting for the win until the final laps and uh, Leclerc lost out and Max went on to win the race so um, that was a clear example of, of that but then Leclerc yeah. immediately comes back uh, and says yeah. well now I know where the lines are drawn now I know what's acceptable on a racetrack and he did the same to Max at Silverstone albeit yeah. not for the win but um, you know he fought back immediately so that little rivalry which actually goes back as far as go-karting um, those two were doing the same thing to each other in go-karts uh, not so many years ago uh, is now playing out in F1 and it's great for Formula 1 because mm. uh, while Lewis is fantastic and he's still the man to beat um, there'll be a day when Lewis retires and we need drivers to come through who are going to uh, be able to um, create the same excitement around the sport and these two can definitely do that yeah um, I mean one of the most impressive things of last year to see was in all of the chaos at Monza on the grid you know Ferrari excited about their first race win you looked for where Leclerc was and he was just sat as he always does under an umbrella next to his car just kind of waiting for that race to start and it's kind of that that coolness and composure that, and, and Max shows it as well mm. but it's why you these two stand out above other young drivers we've seen before because they just they just seem like they're just they're like yeah okay I can beat Lewis whatever and I think that's a great trait to have and I don't think every driver shares that belief on the grid in fact I'd, I'd say very few drivers on the grid share that belief that they could beat Lewis deep down um yeah, I don't know. I, I would say there's a handful of them that actually believe themselves when they say they could beat Lewis in the same car. The clerk does. I think Ricardo does. Verstappen does. He definitely Maybe Vettel, does. <laughs> Vettel, Vettel does, and he has before. But then beyond that, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe no, they, they, they all do. <laughs> like, deep down, I, I think they all do. Um, apart from uh, maybe some of the guys who realise that they're there for reasons other than their talent. But I was talking to Esteban Ocon last year uh, in an interview that's uh, still still on the ESPN homepage. If you dig deep enough down, plug, uh, plug. And um, he was he spent a year out of the sport, and he is absolutely adamant mm. that if he gets back in a car, he's on the same level as Leclerc and Verstappen, and therefore Lewis uh, because um, he went up against them when he was younger and he knows how good they are and he knows what level he is and uh, you know he says that well we're not you know supposed to say it but the truth is that we all believe that and I think that's true of of racing drivers they just have that mindset and if they don't have that mindset then they're already behind Lewis you know they're they're, they're automatically behind exactly and sorry to just bring it right back to Verstappen as well and just his comments as well but just his his approach too because I noticed he had um, just in our article too where we were talking about his quotes he he spoke a lot about or he spoke a bit about how he knows that he's aggressive and Lewis knows that he's aggressive um, and that's why he gives him that space and he almost thinks that that makes Lewis a bit vulnerable do you think there's much to read into that that he'll just eventually continue to do it until it could possibly throw off Lewis. Yeah, I, I think that's a in, really interesting dynamic that played out because I think Lewis was kind of putting out there that, and he always has this uh, opinion that he puts out that I'm here to win fairly and squarely. Yeah. And if other people want to, you know, push the boundaries and kind of play mind games and stuff like that, that's fine. But I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to do it cleanly. Is that like a new generation driver thing to go so, up like that? W- well, no. Um, so, but I, I think yeah, m- maybe it's an experience thing, and maybe it's something that comes with, with extra confidence. But, but, but the way the sapping is on on track is it, it, it's part of why he's so good as well and you know the fact that he will go there and he will put the car there and ultimately um it it can be a weakness if you're making error after error but he's not really you know um uh, even you know having talked about some of the small mistakes he makes he's not making uh, consistent errors and if you then have the 
all other drivers fearing you. It means that you can go into turn one somewhere and put your car there and expect the other car to jump out of the way. And that all of a sudden becomes a huge strength. And it's the kind of thing that, say, someone like Valtteri Bottas, I think, is lacking a bit. You know, he's a guy that we've seen a number of times in that position where he needs mm-hmm. to make a crucial overtake and he doesn't do it. And I think the other drivers uh, feed on that and they kind of think, well, you know, I'm just going to turn into the apex. And the more that that happens, the less that Valtteri is going to make that. And so it can either spiral one way or the other. Uh, the only danger, of course, is that you uh, you come up to a situation where you have intentional accidents going on, such as Frost and Senna um, way back when at Suzuka, when they went into the first corner and neither was willing to lift and uh, they both ended up in the gravel trap. So I think these things can come to an ultimate head where you have a huge accident. But um, but also, I think it can be a huge strength for a driver to have that kind of little thing in everybody's head on the grid that if my car's there, you're going to have to move out of the way. And I think when people see Max's helmet in their mirrors, they, mm. they, 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 they think, right, OK, you know, I've got a fight on my hands. Yeah, that's what <clears throat> that's what people said about Senna, right? Was that I think I remember there was a documentary with uh, Martin Brundle who said, Senna basically said, "If you want to pass me, you're going to have to go over the top, like over the top of my car. Or if I'm behind you, I'm going to." I'm not moving. Yeah, he's like, "One of us is going to have a crash." He basically gave you the option to have a crash or move out of his way, <laughs> and that was like Lawrence said, it was in everyone's head. So of course, when you came to fight them, you're going to give them an extra inch because they want to want to finish this race as well. And Lewis is quite a good game manager, of, mm. you know, or race manager rather. And I think that comes with his experience. Is that I don't think he likes it, but he'll sometimes you can tell he's like, "Okay, well, second here is better than not finishing this race." wasn't always the case earlier in his career and I think the other thing Lewis has uh, in his locker is the talent and the ability to fight back so he will give up a corner yeah. uh, well not quite give up but he will allow someone to overtake him knowing that he, two corners or you know he can position his car and get back past so I think Lewis has because he has that real belief in his own talent and doing it the right way uh, I, I think that he can also cope with drivers like Verstappen maybe you know doing something a bit on the edge on the limit uh, in the belief that he will get them back uh, fair and square another time and then in his mind that elevates him but if he doesn't do that, then Max is even more in his head. So, you know, it's, it's a dangerous game to play. We love dangerous games. <laughs> a little, well, slightly dangerous within reason. But um, another also thing on Verstappen that I wanted to talk about before we uh, move on, I found it interesting how he said that he feels now with Red Bull um, and the team that he has, he feels that they're better prepared than they have been in the last five years. So where where do you guys think that's coming from? There's obviously a, a big belief he has in the the team, and the Honda project, otherwise you wouldn't have committed. His deal takes him past where Honda's currently committed to, which shows it shows faith in Honda, but it shows faith in that whatever happens with Red Bull beyond that, that they're going to be in a good position. Because you wouldn't sign beyond that deal if you thought, okay, well, Red Bull's going to be completely on their own without an engine supplier. And he's been there so long now, he's obviously seen different things um, you know, coming together. And the wins last year must have been a huge boost. And he finished on quite a high last year as well, so it's not surprising he's sort of thought about it over the winter and is now thinking, well, this team's better than it has been the whole time I've, I've been here. And it certainly doesn't do any harm uh, saying to your team just before you roll out the car and go testing, these, you know, in the best position <laughs> we've ever been, because it lifts everyone up in the factory. Um, and But I, th- I think there is some truth to it as well. If you look at Red Bull's uh, situation with Renault, their previous engine supplier, it was an incredibly difficult relationship. Uh, neither side really felt that they were getting what they wanted out of it, and that kind of, you know, uh, created problems for the team throughout. Now they're with Honda, they have a goal which uh, seems, they seem to be working to together. Um, as Nate said, Honda aren't that committed to the future, but uh, for the short term, they're there. 
And uh, it'll be interesting to know what's in Max's contract, though, whether if Honda left, he could get out, because we also had that situation where if Max wasn't uh, in third place by the summer break last year, he had ways out of his contract, and that created all sorts of um, speculation about whether he might move to Mercedes. Of course, it never happened in the end. He was in third place, but I'm sure Max has got some little uh, clauses in that contract, uh, as all drivers do, to make sure that they can still position themselves into the best car should it all go wrong. But at this stage, why wouldn't you talk up your team? You know, uh, If you're talking down your team mm-hmm. at this stage... You're saying, oh, actually, oh, oh, actually, we were way better this time last year. Then you're already losing the game as well. All right, well, I think that was a perfect segue to move into the next topic. Yeah. Kind of, because um, we're not trying to sound like the Lewis Hamilton show, but we do have to talk about Lewis yet again. <laughs> not about people trying to beat him, but about what's going on with him now, because still contract negotiations well there aren't really any contract negotiations i mean he said it he's like look forget what you're seeing in these headlines i've actually not done anything we know that he likes to do things on his own time and there's you know rumors of how much money he wants and ferrari aggressively flirting with him as nate would say so <laughs> what can we, can we just clarify that statement <laughs> i said that before we before we came in here he said that loosely a, yeah so so ferrari <laughs> low-key flirting with him or the yeah. thought of ferrari low-key flirting yeah, with yeah. him of course so we'll, i mean we'll definitely give that context but you know what games guys what's going on what you're expecting a resolution anytime soon um and you know is this going to become a distraction for him i think that's the most interesting part of it i, I think that lewis has always been pretty chilled about his deals that he has and he and total wolf have a very very good relationship kind of based on that kind of mutual honesty i think one of them will tell the other you know something really really blunt and the other one will just say okay I, you know that's how their relationship kind of kind of works and yeah, the ferrari link would be great but i just it's hard to see it happening with them committing to look like the way they have i could see them going for ricardo instead but committing to a guy like lewis when you've already got i, I don't know it just doesn't seem to add up to me and if mercedes is staying beyond 2021 which um it's you know it's looking more and more likely they've been they've repeatedly said that I don't see why he'd leave. Um, the only thing is, is you know, if later in the year if he's not signed, I think if Verstappen was still unsigned, then that that distraction might have been a bigger thing. But I, mm-hmm. you know, unless unless and maybe we'll talk about him a bit more later. But unless Fernando Alonso becomes a viable option for that seat, which I think I've got severe doubts about, mm-hmm. I don't think he's got anything to worry about. As soon as he signs, you know, he could sign that deal whenever he wanted, and it's there for him. It, it's just the terms in it that are the, the key. Yeah, I think, if anything, that they haven't started talking is, is a sign that that deal is probably in a very, very strong place. Mm-hmm. Because um, if they were genuinely worried, uh, then there would have been some communication. I read on Auto Motor and Sport, I think uh, Total Wolf had given one of his first interviews of the year. And he said, from what I could translate, that basically... Um, you don't want you living on top of each other throughout the whole race season. You don't want to spend the winter spending more time with each other unnecessarily to kind of like go through all these things because it it does put that extra strain on on the relationship. Uh, Keys I, to a good relationship. Yeah, you'll you, find relationship advice right here. Apart. You need time apart. You <laughs> I, need I, your own time. I, I don't know if that works for relationships. Please don't take my advice. Um, <laughs> but but I think in this in in this situation, one thing that has worked so well for Mercedes and Lewis throughout the whole time they've been together is that um, Lewis has his own time to do his own thing. And I think that's all Mercedes has given him. And I think Toto is perfectly aware uh, that uh, Ferrari have um, 
made some contact with Lewis and that there is a possibility that Lewis could go there. But I think if Lewis makes up his mind that he wants to go to Ferrari, there's probably not much Toto can do with negotiations uh, to change his mind on that anyway. So I think by giving Lewis a bit of time, allowing them to think, it's actually creating up the best possible environment to go into this year, uh, get a contract sorted. Um, and usually the, the main terms that Lewis and Mercedes have decided come quite easily and quite quickly the difficulties are the small little bits here and there and um, I, I imagine that will probably drag on as it has done pretty much every time he's renewed with Mercedes but I wouldn't read that as a sign that he's really considering for that answer this topic because this is what I'm excited about launch week <laughs> I've never been to any launches what? so I mean how many have you guys been to? Um, too many to count you've been whining and I've dining been, haven't you? I've been to well, I've been at well, my fourth no, fifth, fourth or fifth. Yeah, I, actually going I've been to events since 2011. I yeah. can't remember how many. <laughs> My first, <laughs> first I went to was 2015. It, so. it, it, it comes in waves so of, of, of teams feeling that launches are good ideas and bad mm-hmm. ideas. So, um, kind of gets the blood flowing off this season. It's yeah. great. I, I think it, it's a good way to to get things going. But um, a lot of teams now will do it online, so they just release an image on their website. Red Bull are doing that this year, for example. You, so um, you get the classical. It was better in the in the good old days, but. People tended to throw a bit more money, what like brazenly at yeah. F1 teams back, back in the day. The famous one being the Spice Girls. At, I think it was 1997 McLaren launch, and McLaren were relaunching their car with a new uh, livery and everything, and they got the Spice Girls on stage to uh, to do it. And yeah, it just I doesn't happen. Vaguely remember this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Stuff like that actually sticks in the mind, and it also yeah. gets across, you know, different pages of the newspaper rather than the back pages. Uh, so it does work. It's just whether teams think it's more important to spend the budget on the Spice Girls or a new front wing <laughs> and inevitably the front wing's probably going to last do you better over the course of a season any budget spent on the Spice Girls is a budget well spent <laughs> if you ask me right so what do I expect then what what you know what are we expecting from the the unveiling of the cars any surprises what are you well, guys feeling tap into <clears> your crystal ball that you clearly took from poor Fernando Alonso you, you'll hear very similar quotes from everyone you know it's too early to say anything yet we're going into testing everyone in Formula 1 my pet hate of a phrase is it's the same for everyone you hear the yeah. driver say it all the time but it is fair because it is true but you when you hear it 400 times in a season it you, you just you know it's, it's, it's a bit like nails on a chalkboard yeah. by the end of that but what you see so from the teams launching so Ferrari Renault um, you know they're going to have and, and the, the big one is Toro Rosso is rebranding into Alfa Tori so those events if you've if you've spent money and you've put time out into an event you usually put quite a lot into it uh, last year the event I went to was Haas and Rich Energy, which kind of ended pretty badly. Um, anybody who knows William Story, guy with an enormous beard, everybody was a bit sceptical about him, and it turned out his company wasn't as legit as everyone thought it was. But that was the only chance a team like Haas has of putting on, or, 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 or having the desire to put on that kind of event, because if you don't have the resources that you might need, as Lawrence said, you're not going to... You're not going to turn around and say, okay, we're going to spend all this money on some glitzy launch, but also, guys, we might not make the first week of testing or, you know, we're still up against exactly. it design-wise. So, for me, it's always, ever, ever since I've done them, it's a huge reminder of the big gulf between them. I mean, McLaren's facility is incredible, but you go in there and you feel like you're... I That's don't know, what we're going between, to, right? Yeah, that yeah, was so, my first so official launch. And it'll be a good one because I'm expecting a, a rocket ship or something. Yeah, we're taking you... Sorry, Thursday we're taking you there, aren't we? And you, you'll go in there. You'll feel like you, you're in the UN one minute. You'll feel like you're, you know, maybe at NASA the next minute. It, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I'm not. Will you wear your NASA shirt? I will actually underneath. <laughs> it's got to be. You've got to be Nate smart. Loves there. His NASA yeah, shirt. I do. I've got, I've got two of them. So I, oh, hello, you're right. Um, 
but yeah, but and it's not knocking the facility as well because it's amazing. But yeah. you also think a, a lot of the teams don't have this, but b, like what maybe you you're thinking you think McLaren hasn't won a race since 2012, so you know it, yeah, your priorities yeah, straight. Yeah, well, but you just always have these different thoughts about the teams and the way they present their cars and their teams and everything like that. But Lawrence Spencer, you maybe saw more. You know, when it was kind of quote unquote glitzier, but was it glitzier at the start of the decade, oh. last decade? I don't, I don't think anything is as glitzy as it looks when you know when it's all presented on TV and everything. It looks way better than it's in reality. But uh, I can't. I'm like try, trying to think of a really good one I've been to, but I can't. I so many. Red, Red Bull uh, once did a livery launch on Brick Lane in East London. Uh, so it wasn't actually the car, but it was their new matte design. And um, everyone just felt a bit out of place in Brick Lane in East London. It just didn't seem quite right. But that that, that was quite an entertaining one. Um, but yeah, there, there's been some good ones. I I mean, you're probably going to uh, make a big point of this, but I always like going to Ferrari to Maranello for a launch because that feels he's, he's, proper. He's never let that me go yet. Yeah. It's always that exactly. proper. Picks that one. Because um, you see the gates and, you know, and the... Nate would love France to see and that. Horse and the, well, yeah. not this no year. No chance. <laughs> yeah. another year. So. <laughs> no chance. Well, you can lobby for me next year. Maybe, maybe next year, Lawrence yeah. will let us go to the yeah. to the Ferrari one. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, oh, maybe not. Uh, maybe, maybe. What? But, one, one thing that I did love. Sorry to interrupt you, mate. But um, Red Bull have done twice. Uh, it was twenty fifteen or sixteen. They released this. It looks. I mean, it looks like a kind of this like zebra camouflage. It was white and black and they actually tested the car mm-hmm. in this cool camouflage livery and, and part of it, it i mean it made a huge stir in terms of media headlines the other thing what with it was that testing it's so much harder for the other teams to photograph little details of it uh but they've, they've they've also they released a special edition one i think two years ago that then didn't make testing so it'd be it it'd be fun if there was some way that the teams could maybe do some more fun so things they, around they, it yeah, they, I, I've, I've always felt like it's a missed opportunity for f1 to do stuff they, they do that and it's, it's very cool isn't it because like the, the rebel the last two years has done it and it, it, it's it's based on something that used to exist on World War One battleships like dazzle camouflage yeah. and the idea being that if you put lots of different lines on a surface you can't see how far away it is and you can't see the exact shape of it and therefore it would be very hard to try and hit with a missile or another or torpedo or, or whatever you yeah. use because you can't figure out the distance and see and you know and Red Bull kind of like played off this a little bit and you know it's kind of cool and it's just different because a team turned up and it looked but, great like, like you said there, there was the, arguably the a practical form. advantage yeah. of the if you were to take a photograph of, um, of this curve of the car this area dynamic surface and it had all these jagged lines on it it was much harder to uh, kind of uh, figure out what was going on there I've always felt like a team should yeah that's kind of stuff. Yeah. actually pretty amazing it's, mm. uh, and, and that shows you sometimes the level of genius there is behind things in mm-hmm. in Formula 1 like if a lot of people just saw that you think oh they just want to have a camouflage livery for two weeks what's wrong with that but there's a huge advantage to be to be gained or, or well maybe a marginal advantage to be gained in it but those are the things you collect to make a big advantage in F1 Sounds exciting! I can't wait. Now, some big question: What are you wearing? You've got to dress smart for the MTC, the McLaren, so te- sorry, the, the McLaren Technology Center. To, to, to oh, the oh, fancy um, to no, the rest of you no, presents. I, I wouldn't get I wouldn't get two feet in there without. Well, I, maybe it can be on, but I'll have a shirt and blazer. And, Is that um, coming? I'm not going to that one. Oh, no. yeah, he's, he'll, he'll, he's, I mean, don't feel too. He's going to Ferrari. Then he's going to Paris for Renault. So, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like oh, Lawrence only does the international trips because throughout. F1 season last season when I got here, I only did all my hits with Nate because yeah. Nate was the one based here. Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, you'll eventually meet Lawrence. He'll yeah. when he's done, you know, from Italy to Brazil to Houston to I'd, Mexico." I'd, I'd like to go back to my thing that it's not as glamorous as it looks. <laughs> Just a few minutes ago, I was explaining that oh. it's, it's, it's never quite what it looks like. But, um, oh, but no, I'm, I'm not complaining. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right. Well, before we look 
ahead to this season, let's talk about a certain article that went out. So if you guys, you know, are struggling with finding a Valentine's gift for your boo this year, look no further than this article that's dropping on Thursday. That's from the best way. That's a massive sell, of course. Or we could use it as a teaser because still definitely get the chocolate and the flowers. Oh Always. yeah, don't come home just with this URL though. <laughs> this one. And anyway. <laughs> that relationship will not print be Print it out. Yeah. Print it out. Maybe if they showed T-shirt. it on like a new laptop or a new like MacBook or something, something fancy. Idea. Yeah. Then yeah. then they'll be like, yes. Or they've wrapped a present in the printout of the article. That would be good. That would be nice as well. Multi purpose. There you yeah. go. And you can read it whilst you're like on the tube getting ready to, you know, give it to Boo. <laughs> That's one way of reading it. Alright, so this is the biggest unanswered questions. For 2020, both of you, of course, weighed in. Lawrence, let's start with you. What was your biggest unanswered question for 2020? Well, I think the biggest one we both thought was, can anyone beat Mercedes? But that's kind of obvious. So I'm not going to go into that one right now. You'll have to read the article. Ooh. But, um, but no, uh, the, the other one is uh, is Ferrari set for um, Civil War with Leclerc and Vettel at the same team. And I think this is going to be one of the most interesting things uh, that we see, uh, one of the most interesting dynamics between drivers that we see anywhere on the grid. And uh, if Ferrari get it right, it's going to be happening right at the front of the grid. So for a little recap, uh, last year, Leclerc started kind of as a second driver at Ferrari. Certainly if there are any 50-50 situations, Vettel was going to get preference. Uh, by the end of the year, uh, they were kind of operating on an even playing field, but Leclerc got the better of him. He scored more points, got more pole positions, he got more race wins. And, of course, just to add a little bit of spice to the mix right at the end of the year, uh, they collided with, yeah, exactly, they, they collided with each, with each other in a very spicy way mm-hmm. in Brazil. And, um, and so going into this year, the big question is, uh, can Ferrari manage those two drivers in the team? Vettel, a four-time world champion, uh, who is really fighting for his, uh, career in Formula One and really needs to beat the clerk. And the clerk, this, you know, golden child who's come and will, uh, be their number one driver for the next five years possibly but he's only got a five year contract uh, and how does that all fit together and um, everyone I've spoken to about this uh, which is mainly other journalists but we don't know how to manage that like how do you manage that situation because whatever you do if you make Leclerc number one Vettel's going to be upset uh, you don't based on Vettel's performances in the last two years uh, where he has been the number one driver it hasn't resulted in a championship so how do you manage those uh, those two egos within the team and will it flare up and will we see more collisions so there's there's an unanswered question that that was a question that I think I kept asking Nate throughout last season because when I started obviously following it more and of course I knew Sebastian Vettel I mean that name speaks for itself and was learning more about Charles and seeing like you said just his demeanour and his Arrogance, but in a good way. It's the self-belief that you could tell he's ready for the deep end. He's ready for the limelight. He's like, put me in, coach, you know, the whole time. And I was like, how mm. How are you going to tell either one of them, hey, take the back seat, be the Valtteri Bottas? Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> I would have been like, absolutely not. That's a welcome headache for some in the sense that you've got two, you know, a, I won't say big names, of course, one bigger than the other for now. But that is a that is a headache indeed. Yeah. Massively, and Leclerc has just got a shiny new contract as well, which mm-hmm. is strengthens his position. He himself is shiny. He's yeah. from Monaco. <laughs> yeah, you said that shiny. earlier. Looking at picture I said of him that. I said, wasn't joking though. He shines. It's like he has a little <laughs> aura to him. But is that your biggest unanswered question too? Then I, I think that, that that's going to be, as Lawrence said, it's going to define the whole season. I mean, we're going to throw some other things in there. There's, I think it's kind of gone under the radar, but the future of Renault in Formula One might not sound that sexy, that appealing because Renault's been in the midfield, but it has big implications on Formula One going forward. 
We've got Ricardo there. We have Ocon there. So two very, very good drivers. A lot of people working for the team. But it's an engine manufacturer as well, and there's no there's no guarantee they'll be on the grid uh, long term, even medium term. You know, their their board is currently looking at what they're doing uh, beyond this season. So from a from a from a political point of view, that's a huge thing. Um, and obviously, uh, we've touched on it plenty of times, but sort of where Hamilton, Vettel, mm-hmm. and Ricardo end up, I think they're the three big names now dictating the driver market. But I don't want to give too much else away. You have to read it, as you said. Uh, well, read the article. I, I doubt it's a very good Valentine's Wrap your Day present. in it. What else can you do? Well, <laughs> yeah. well, that means we have to rip the article up afterwards. Though, print it, so. print it out, put it on your t-shirt, let people read it off of you in the tube or on your way to work. I know, that's actually great. I like those kind of um, outfits. Let's move on now to our final segment. Believe it or not, we've made it, guys. Yeah. We've made it. Now this one's going to be a little bit different, though, because it's a bit of a challenge. I know you guys like challenges, right? <laughs> And it's a quick one. In the spirit of Formula One, it's, of course, going to be quick. And I'm going to read the headline of some news stories. Of course, we're going to be littered with them once the season starts, you know, in case we're, like, reaching a little bit now, as (laughs) Nate said earlier. Um, And then I want you to give me, I'll say 15 seconds. I was going to say 10, but we'll be nice. (laughs) 15 seconds for you to basically recap it and tell me everything. I'm going to pull out the stopwatch. And then I haven't decided on a prize yet, but maybe I'll probably print a little trophy and you guys can keep it by your desk. M- maybe the article. Or maybe the article. Well, the shirt, the shirt with the article the on. With I'll the print, the, yes, I'll print the article on a shirt and you can keep it by your desk so everyone can know that you know how to recap a news story. This is like broadcast journalism 101. This is what I have to do. And you're talking to two people. And you don't like have, what is it, like 4,000 words or something? What's, what are the regular articles uh, for you guys? They would take much longer than 15 seconds to read. I think. Oh, some, or some of them, not, not all of them. Some, See, this is broadcast them. journalism 101. But you, you have a lot of time to sit and write and all right, so read, read your own writing about it. So Nate, I starting? you're going to go first. Okay. And the story is, so racing points. So just to clarify, when, when do you start the time? Is it when I, I, will, start I will say, we've got a little stopwatch here. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to click, I'll tell you go. And then I get marked With on that? With my flag. Okay. Wow. Uh, yes, you get marked down if you I'm go gonna... even a, a millisecond, a nanosecond over. So, <clears throat> the headline that we've seen is that racing points, believe it or not, yep. are to become Aston Martin in 2021. Nate, what's that about? Go. Uh, so, Canadian billionaire Lawrence Stroll, father of Lance Stroll, who drives for Racing Point, which is the team he currently owns, has become a fairly significant shareholder in Aston Martin. They're leaving their tie-up with Red Bull, which is currently a title partnership and they're becoming a fully-fledged team, which means that the Aston Martin name will be on the grid. Stop. Probably. Think. 15 seconds. 15.73. 15.73. You even got the extra 7.3. Yeah. yeah. Seven tenths in F1 is a lot. I know. Yeah, that, that's, that's the difference between... How do you feel, Q. Lawrence? Do you feel like you got everything out of that article? Considering I know Lawrence has I, read that article from top to bottom, back and front. I, th- I think the, the important bits were there. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the part ownership uh, doesn't completely own... Uh, Aston Martin, and then that that will mean that the team part of that deal is that the team changes name. What I just said, if I'd had a bit more time, is Aston Martin is still completing their hypercar mm. with Red Bull that they committed to, and looks incredible. Um, some people might have read that and thought that that project's now off, but it's not. But I think it's it's, I mean, it's great news for F1. Aston Martin personally is my exactly. favourite car brand. I was about to ask them right, uh, my dad will absolutely yeah, love and that. The idea of you know British Racing Green being on the on the grid and a team you know carrying that name, fantastic. It's a good stuff. Excited for it. I'm just worried about doing this 
So, all this hullabaloo about Mercedes to exit Formula One. One of the headlines that I saw, of course, not on ESPN, was that world champions Mercedes are preparing to... Well, people were thinking that they're preparing to pull out, but that's not true. Hullabaloo. So, what's the facts, Lawrence? Tell us. There was a story which um, appeared on Autocar and Racefans.net that said that Mercedes were going to have a board meeting to discuss leaving Formula One. Uh, later that evening, the uh, CEO of Daimler, which owns Mercedes, said not true. Oh, my Jonas Brothers. 14.93 oh, seconds. He didn't even need the extra seven Wow. Times. He didn't even need the extra, like, what was it? I thought, so <laughs> I was about to start laughing because I was like, it's, it's taken a really long time. It felt like a long time. Yeah. I, was I, thought, to, like, I thought he wasn't going to get it, but then he just, he brought it back in the end. I mean, there's more to my like story. Like Lewis though, Hamilton. So, there was a bit more yeah, to your story, I suppose. That was good, though. I, I, I thought you'd gone past 15 seconds way before Well, then. Lawrence wins the shirt. I'm going to print it. Brilliant. Print the I'll wear it with pride. <laughs> oh, this is going to happen, right? I'm going to have a shirt with my own story. Article on it. Oh, with my a goodness. February story. We were just talking about egos. We're talking about Leclerc and Vettel yeah. on one team. Yeah. These two sit beside each other in the office. Yeah. Wait, so that, that was 1-0 to him, is that? That was 1-0 to Lawrence. <sighs> Smashed it. Fantastic, yeah. Well done. Well done. Ferrari would be proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll let you bring uh, it back. Yeah, I, I don't feel bad. I didn't do a bad job. I just did a better job. All right. right. Well, Is that right? It was That's a tough right? article. You had a t- you had a, an article with a lot more details. So we'll definitely get some more. We'll, we'll sift through them and see. Well, I think that's the end of it. That's the end of our final thoughts. Any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to the next one and get, 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 getting that shirt. I mean, that's oh that's all, no! Now I'm really going to have to spend right money now. and print this shirt. Once the article drops, remember, guys: t-shirts, mugs. Yeah, it's going to be flying off the shelves in, in biggest all the, unanswered all the questions of 2020. All right. Well, thanks, Jens. That was absolutely lovely. Love spending time with you. Learning. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much already. Can't wait for this launch, though. Yeah, it's going to be good. And and we'll ask you when we do next week. Oh dear. We'll be throwing questions. I'll be tested. Well, yeah. the questions then will be from, you know, uh, coming into your first launch, what you actually made of it. Because that's always fascinating. We always get into this bubble of, mm-hmm. oh, everyone knows how Formula One is. But when someone sees something for the first time, usually they have some pretty interesting observations. So yeah, that's true. Because obviously we're into launches still. of other sports, naturally, cricket, football, mm. um, basketball, whatnot. But not Formula One yet. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it does stand up. I might as well get my, my, my fancy... Dress, but not NASA dress from now. <laughs> yeah, I but suppose. Don't step on my NASA thing. That's gonna be my, that's my thing. <laughs> Nathan and I are uh, off you the plan. You, <laughs> you, wear that, you wear that shirt next week. I'm going to wear my NASA shirt just to keep this joke going. So He's going to be in his NASA yeah. shirt next podcast. I think he promised. If not, we're kicking him out. And I think they're kicking us out of the studio now. So we're going to go. 